0: So good to be with you today and I want to say thank you to so many different people who are helping us to do this in a way that we we hope will be a blessing to you and I trust that it will. We've had, we've had many that have uh, given up so much of their time to make certain that the things that we needed to do in order for you to be able to have church with us would be accomplished. And so to all of them, I say thank you. Uh, your sacrifice. Uh, Maybe not everybody sees it, but the Lord definitely sees it. And God's going to honor you for that. Um, I want to share a message with you today that I really feel like the Lord has placed on my heart. And I'll tell you kind of where it was born from. And uh, then I want to tell you what I feel like God's speaking to us right now. The other day... I went to Walmart, and that's one of the few places, I guess, that we can still go right now. And so I went to Walmart and was picking up a few things. And as I was going through the store, I noticed, um, I noticed uh, obviously, the bread was, everybody had gotten all the bread. The milk was gone, everybody had gotten all the milk, and uh, obviously toilet paper all gone right now. And so I was walking down the aisles. And when I went down the aisle, I noticed that I saw the candy aisle. And I looked down that aisle just to make sure there was nothing I needed there. And when I looked down that aisle, that entire row of candy was absolutely completely stocked still. Nobody had stopped by to get any of the candy that was there. Everybody had passed that by. And so I thought, well, that's interesting. And And so I kept moving on. And when I got to the next aisle, I believe it was, very next aisle I looked, and it was bare shelves. So much so that it was even hard for me at first to figure out what had been on that shelf. And so I got to looking, and that was the canned goods shelf. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, you need to pay attention to this and take notice of what it is that you've just seen. Everybody had passed those sweets by and everybody had passed the junk food by, but everybody wanted something that they felt like could last through the particular uh, situation that we find ourselves in right now. And I felt like God spoke to me to say, you need to pay attention to that. And I want to, with that in mind, and I'll come back to it, but with that in mind, I want to share a message with you today. I'm going to title it, A Good Time to Take Heed. I feel like this is a very good time for us to take heed. In Luke chapter number 21 and verse number 10, Jesus speaks and He says this, Then said He unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And great earthquakes shall be in divers' places, and famines, and pestilences, and fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. Then you drop down to verse 29 of that same chapter. It says this, He told them this parable, Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are sprouting leaves already, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So in like manner, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I tell you, This generation will not pass away until all these things are fulfilled. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts become burdened by excessiveness and drunkenness and anxieties of life. And that day, talking about the day of the Lord when He returns for His church, and that day comes on you unexpectedly, for as a snare... It will come on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Therefore, watch always and pray that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will happen and to stand before the Son of Man. Now today, I want to be up front with you about what I feel led to share with you. And I know this has been mentioned, but let me just say this one more time. Wherever you're at right now, would you just, would you just share this video right now? Maybe you've got some friends who will tune in with you And I feel like this is uh, going to bless uh, so very many of us. Um, I'm going to be up front with what I'm preaching to you about. And that is I want to preach to you today about eternity and about salvation. So if you're a guest and maybe you don't attend our church and you've just tuned in with us, just set aside some time right now. Uh, Join in with us and let's reason together as the Bible says. And let's think about what I feel like are the most important topics that are facing us right now as human beings and really the most important topics we could ever talk about. It's much more important than the politics that typically uh, consume your media. It's much more important even than the pandemic that we currently find ourselves fighting against. I read this quote and I thought it was so very powerful. Um, It's a quote in a book. Uh, over 100 years old, by a man named F.W. Borum. And he has a chapter, and the chapter is titled, A Tonic of Big Things. And he writes in the very first sentence of that chapter, he says, Immensity is Magnificent Medicine. Immensity is Magnificent Medicine. And I was reminded of the scriptures, that says in Psalm 34 in verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. And I love this. The writer said, I sought, The Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. The writer is saying what this secular writer wrote about as well. When he said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, let us exalt His name together, he was reminding us that immensity is a magnificent medicine. When we begin to talk about the things that are so much greater than all the other little things that tend to bother us so much. When we get our minds off the little things of life that have this way of consuming us, isn't it amazing how those small things have this way of consuming us so much of the time? A writer in the Bible says, it's the little foxes that destroy the vines. It's the small things that catch our attention and they catch our focus. And we need to remember... In times like this, we need to go back to the fact that we know that over all the small things we're facing right now, and I know some people think there's a lot of big things happening, and maybe, uh, maybe in the world's estimation they're big, but I want to tell you today that greater than any of the things you're facing right now, there is a God who is bigger than all of your problems. There's an old song. Those our church will appreciate that. That reminds me of an old song. That Nana Harper used to sing, and maybe Nana, you're watching this today. She used to say, He's bigger than all my problems. He's bigger than all my fears. God is bigger than any problem that I may or may not face. I want you to know today, He's still bigger than anything you're up against, He's bigger than a pandemic. And I know a pandemic is global and I understand how great that is. But I want to tell you we serve a God that's bigger than all of that. I wonder if today if we could get our eyes on the love of God. His love is so much greater. I wonder today if we could get our eyes on the mercy of God. Somebody needs to hear that. His mercy is so much greater than what you're up against. We need to look toward the hills from whence cometh our help. Amen. Now I... I realized something, and I was thinking about it, as I knew I was going to preach about eternity. Um, It it bothered me, and, and it's something I think we need to discuss. Truly, it really does seem that we don't hear nearly as much preaching today about eternity, the reality of heaven, the reality of hell, as we used to. And I think that's something we need to think about, and we need to discuss a little bit. Why is that? There's probably several reasons why that is and I want to share with you what I feel like are the main reasons that we've come to this place and why this has happened. Number one, it's just the truth for preachers that it just doesn't seem to be a nice thing in our society anymore to tell people that there will be many, not some, but there will be many, not a few, but many people that will in fact go to hell. That's a hard truth. The Bible says that, that broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to salvation. And so that is a truth of the Word of God. We, can, we cannot like that truth, but it won't make it any less true than it is. And nobody wants to be the bearer of bad news. And so as preachers, a lot of times we tend to focus on the positive things, uh, that are found in God's Word, and we should do that. I don't. I don't think we need to just talk about all the 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 difficult days and the dark things that we inevitably will face. We need to talk about the good things of God, and we do that, and we need to continue doing that. But we need to be careful that we don't err, that we get so far over to the ditch that that we forget to tell people the truth about eternity, and so that has happened. I think and. In too many cases, we've done that to the detriment of our hearers. The second thing, I think, concerning that, is that we're living in a generation that is a deconstructionist generation. I don't think we could argue that. I think anybody, whether, whether they want to see things deconstructed or they don't, I think we'd all admit that we're living in times where things are being brought down. And so, mu- uh, so much so that... Now it seems like people are having to pay, uh, pay the price for things they did many, many years ago, decades ago, things that they've, that they've genuinely been sorry for, things that they've repented of, and yet people are bringing things from their past up. Why? Because we're trying to break down our society in such a way that we're going back years and years ago to cause people to pay the price over something that's not even a part of who they are anymore. It's a deconstructionist generation. It's one that I will tell you that has been systematically tearing away at God's Word for decades now. And to say it most simply, this is what it is. Many people have decided that they won't believe what they don't want to believe. And when it comes to the Word of God, which is our, which is our roadmap, which is our guide, which is our Sure foundation when it comes to the Word of God. They are literally treating it as a buffet. They're taking what they want and they're not taking what they don't want. They think that if they won't believe what they don't want to believe, that that'll make everything okay. They foolishly think that their own opinion should carry more weight than the Word of God. We live in a day, this is just the truth, we live in a day when so many people hate absolutes. They despise absolutes, and they believe that there are multiple forms of truth, that you have a truth, and I have a truth, but I say to you today that the only truth of eternal importance is God's truth. It's the only truth of eternal importance. I know that you're not going to hear that everywhere. I know that that's not a popular message in our day and age, but I want to tell you, It is the right message that we need to hear at this right time. If there's ever been a moment where we needed to recognize that there is a truth that is far above any other truth that somebody else may claim, this is that moment. And the third thing I think about this is that for some people, they've actually come to a place where they think that they are smarter, that they are more informed, and that they are more culturally enlightened then the God who created our world gave us life and gave us His Word. So they reject the portions of Scripture they don't agree with. And the problem with this is that when you take away, you go read this in Revelation 22, 19, you can read this. When you take away from the Word of God, when you take away what He's written in His Word, then you also take away your place, the Bible says, from the book of life, And from heaven. That's not my words. That's God's word. And I believe that God's word will forever stand. So the most important thing that could happen to any of us right now, I contend, is that we would heed the words of Jesus. It's a good time to take heed. That we would begin to pay attention to all that is happening around us. Because while some will say that what is happening is just life, Jesus, in fact, told us that when signs of the times would come, those signs that He gave to us in His Gospels, when those began to take place, He told us, you need to take heed so that that day, that day of the coming of the Lord, which He promised would happen, that it does not take us unexpectedly. We were told by the Apostle Paul in his epistle to the Ephesian church He said, wake up, you that are asleep. Wake up. Now, this was not a literal attempt. He wasn't going around in the house shaking people and saying, it's time to get up, it's time to eat breakfast. He wasn't waking people up literally. He was attempting to rouse people that had spiritually fallen asleep in their walk with God. And that's what I feel like the word is for us right now. There's a lot of people right now that need to wake up to the reality of where we are at. And we need to wake up to the reality that God is reaching for us right now. He told that church, he said, Paul did, he said, you need to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. With such strong language that he uses... We should not dismiss these admonitions out of hand. We shouldn't, we shouldn't label somebody who preaches like I'm preaching right now. I'm going to tell you, you need to hear this message right now. Yes. We don't need to label people that are preaching like I'm preaching right now as being alarmists and as being, uh, being doomsdayers. But we should rather give earnest heed to them and consider the point that he was making. Right. For Paul is simply in his own way He was echoing the strong warning of Jesus Christ Himself in Luke 21 that we would not forget about eternity. He's telling us, don't become so enraptured by the world that you miss the rapture that can take you from this world. Don't get so caught up with everything. Don't get so caught up with your hobbies. Don't get so caught up with your job. Don't get so caught up with with your own uh, goals and dreams in life that you forget the fact that one of these days that it is appointed uh, unto man once to die, and then he's going to go before the Lord. Don't forget about those things. Don't forget about the fact that one day there's going to be a judgment day. Don't forget about the fact. I hope somebody's getting a hold when I'm preaching right now. Don't don't forget about the fact that one of these days we stand before the Lord. And all this that you've known, whether you've lived five years, ten years, twenty years. 60 years, 90 years of age. Don't forget about the fact that one day you're going to stand before God and all that you've come through up to now, it's going to seem like a vapor. Your life is nothing but a vapor. And you're going to step from time and into eternity. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is going to last forever. It's a paradox of sorts. It's an irony to be sure that when we are talking about eternity the most valuable commodity. When you're discussing eternity, then the most valuable commodity that you have right now is time. It's time. When you're discussing eternity and that immense thing that is to come, the greatest thing at your disposal right now is your time. And I want to thank God because right now, all of us have found ourselves with a lot of time on our hands. Many of you are off work right now, and some of you are not going to school right now. You don't know when you're going back to school. You don't know when you're going back to work. You're trying to stay out of the public, uh, the, the the public marketplace right now because you don't want to catch something that somebody else may have. And so what that means is we've got a lot of time on our hands. I think this would be a great opportunity for us to make good use of that time. I know a lot of people are going to binge watch shows and a lot of people are going to do some projects around the house they've been meaning to do. But in all of your doing, please don't forget that the greatest thing you can do right now is to say, God, I don't want this moment in time to pass me by and me not use it for the best that I could possibly use it for. Nothing, nothing affects eternity so much As time. It is the one thing that we can use either to our benefit or to our demise. We've got to use our time well. For it is by the use of time that you will determine your eternity. We've got to be careful that we don't allow our present distresses or our present good fortunes to cause us to lose sight of that which shall ever be. I read something that I thought was. Very, very good. Uh, In 1859, there was a candidate for president of the United States by the name of Abraham Lincoln. And he shared this story in a speech that he gave. He said this. It said that there was an Eastern monarch once who charged his wise men to invent him a sentence to always be in view and which should be true and appropriate in all times and situations. So he sent them away. He said, I want you to go invent a sentence for me that will be a, a sentence that will guide my life, is what he was asking for. That it's always true. And no matter what I'm looking at, it's always going to be appropriate to that situation. So they would come back and they would throw a sentence at him. He said, no, that's not it. It's not, that's not good enough. And they did that several times. And finally, they came to him and they presented him with these words that he seized upon. And these were the words. And this too shall pass away. What a powerful saying. And one that should never be far from our thoughts. This too shall pass away. I remember when 9-11 hit. I was in college and I was... Uh, a freshman in college, and I was sitting in an economics class, and people began running down the hall at the University of Central Arkansas, and we were trying, we were wondering what was happening, and then a professor opens the door and stuck his head in, and, and he shouted, somebody's just attacked the World Trade Center tower. And uh, we finished our class, and then we all went back to our places that we, that we lived or whatever. And I went back to my dorm and we all began to follow the news. And, and I remember watching as that second plane hit that second tower. I remember how that affected America. I remember how it affected the world. I remember how it affected me. I wanted to be close to the Lord. I wanted to be right with God. There were so many people that felt the same. And for a few weeks afterward. Our churches filled up and people came back to God and people wanted to get things right in their life. But it's amazing how you give something a little bit of time and, and people forget what drove them to the house of God. And so people began to trickle away over time. And we've seen that, we've seen other calamities come our way. I'm reminded of the words, This too shall pass away. Right now there's a lot of you that are watching this and you're hearing the words that I speak right now and you're moved right now in your spirit because there's something about all that's going on right now that's reached out and grabbed you and it's reminded you of eternity. And I want to say to you, you need to understand that this too shall pass away. If the Lord tarries his coming, this is going to pass away and people are going to forget how they felt when COVID-19 came to visit us. But right now you can make a decision that is so much greater than, than, than COVID-19. You can make a decision right now to live your life in such a way that when this has passed away and I am no longer pushed by all of these things, that I'm still going to be living for God. I'm still going to be serving Him because I want to put my faith and trust in a God, in a God who is an eternal God and is bringing us all To an eternal destination. Amen. Amen. Whatever your life circumstance is. It's going to pass away. And so. Because of this truth. I'm exhorting all of us. That we would use our time well. Because it's not what you say in time. That affects your eternity. It's what you do with time. That affects your eternity. And we can say all of the right things. We can say a lot of good stuff. But it's not really about what you say. It's about what you do right now. And you're in a time for doing. You're in a time for making commitments to God. We're in a time to turn to Him and let God become the Lord. Of our lives and wherever you are right now I just wish you'd say amen and raise your hands and just tell the Lord right now God I want you to be Lord of my life I want you to be king of all I want you to be the one that I lean on that I depend on I'm gonna trust in you some may trust in chariots and some in horses but we will remember the name of the Lord our God each day that we have is a gift. It's one in which we are all given the same amount of seconds in a minute. Minutes in an hour and hours in a day in order that we would live our lives in such a way that we will make certain of where we will spend eternity. At question is how we are going to use those minutes. I wonder if we took an honest inventory right now of what our commitment has looked like. How many of us would feel good about our use of time? I'm not here to shame you but I am here to provoke you today. I'm not here to condemn you, but I do hope the Holy Spirit convicts you today. The Bible admonishes us for those things, that we would do the things in time that we know will affect our eternity. I want to share just three truths with you about eternity that I hope will awaken us all to the fact that we must walk circumspectly, paying attention, not as fools, but is wise, the Bible said, redeeming the time because the days are evil. First truth is this, eternity is real. Eternity is real. John 14 and 1, Jesus spoke and said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He said, I'm stepping out of time, and I'm getting ready to step back into eternity. And I am going to prepare a place for you. He said, if that were not true, I would have told you so. That should strike a chord in all of our hearts right now to remember that eternity is real. Eternity is real. How do you know, preacher, that eternity is real? Because Jesus told me so. And I believe Jesus. I believe Jesus. In that conversation with His disciples, the Lord said some difficult things. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He said this, He that has and keeps my commandments loves me and shall be loved of my Father. And then he said this, He that loves me not does not keep my sayings. It's one thing for you to say you love God, but it's another thing for you to show Him that you love Him. And God's not interested really in our lip service. He told us in the Old Testament, He said, he said, you worship me with your lips. And you've got some things to say, and you're saying all the right things. You, 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 do, you, you, you say all the right things, but your actions show me that your heart is really far from me. And I want to I admonish us today that we're not just saying what's right, but that we do what is right. He that loves me not does not keep my sayings. Again, that's what Jesus said. He's attempting to impress upon those that followed him the reality of heaven and the necessity of obedience to all of his word in order to realize the promise of eternity in heaven. Second truth is this. Eternity is no respecter of persons. Eternity doesn't care how old you are. Eternity doesn't care how wealthy you are. You could be. A, we just had a man spend... Hundreds of millions of dollars. Hundreds of millions of dollars of money that was just excess to him. Because he wanted to become president of the United States of America. He spent hundreds of millions of dollars. But when he stands before the Lord, he's not going to be any different than the pauper. He's not going to be any different than the person that doesn't have anything in their checking account right now. And has no savings account to speak of. Eternity doesn't respect persons. Eternity doesn't respect what your position is. Doesn't matter if you're that president. Doesn't matter if you're a king and a ruler in this world. Eternity doesn't care if you're a CEO. Doesn't care if you work a menial job. Eternity doesn't care. Doesn't care how much you know and how smart you are. That doesn't matter to eternity. And eternity it doesn't care how important you think you may be or how needed that you feel you are. Eternity, folks, doesn't even care how well-intentioned you are. And that flies in the face of a lot of preaching you may hear today. But I'm going to preach the Word of God right now. Eternity doesn't care how well-intentioned you are. That you plan to make things right with God one of these days. Eternity takes all kinds. It's an equal opportunity employer. Both Joshua and David uttered the same truth. In their last days, this is what they said, both of them. Behold, I go the way of all the earth. As great a men as they were, Joshua, who led Israel across Jericho, who led them as they marched, excuse me, he led them across Jordan, and then he led them as they marched around the walls of Jericho. He led them as they defeated so many kingdoms that rose up against Israel in the promised land. As great as he was, that man who preached and said, As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. He still had to go the way of all the earth. David, who was the sweet psalmist of Israel, who sat on a hillside and played that harp and wrote songs of praise and worship to God. That man who the Bible said, The Lord, this was God's testimony of David. He is a man after my own heart. That man still had to go the way Of all the earth. I'm reminded of a friend of mine who just a few months ago now, he went the way of all the earth. Chris Hancock was a pastor friend of mine. He's got family in our church. Walked in his house after spending time with his wife one day. He walked in his house, he sat down, he never got up again because a massive heart attack took him, and he went the way. Of all the earth. Now if you haven't been living your life for God. That's a scary proposition. But if you're somebody that's been making your calling and election sure. If you've been devoting time. Toward the most important thing which is eternity. Then that's a whole other thing. I pray today that we'd all be awakened. And the third truth about eternity is that it must. Cause us to live our life in light of it. The Old Testament, it's interesting. The Old Testament is strangely silent about eternity until Jesus comes on the scene. And then Jesus says to us, I go to prepare. Before he leaves, he says, you need to make sure you keep this in the forefront of your mind. Live your life in light of eternity. It's almost as if Jesus was saying, before I walk out of here... And I'm not with you physically anymore. And you're going to have my spirit, but I won't physically be with you anymore. You need to make sure that you grab a hold of this. Because if you don't really get a hold of this, life's going to hit you. It's going to cause you to make decisions you don't need to make. So remember, eternity is coming. So live your life in light of eternity. Gehazi was a man in scripture who forgot about eternity. Solomon Solomon was a man who became obsessed with time. Read his book of Ecclesiastes. But he was so obsessed with time that he neglected eternity. Judas, Judas, you walked with Jesus, Judas. But Judas went into eternity making a decision that would put him on the wrong side of it forever and ever and ever. John was given the revelation on the Isle of Patmos. He was given the revelation of Jesus Christ in order to remind us about eternity. God closed out the canon of Scripture with a book that would constantly remind us of the reality of a lake of fire and of heaven. A book to say that there is life beyond this. And so when I walked into Walmart the other day and I walked by that candy aisle and I picked And I didn't pick it up, but I walked by and I looked down there. And I saw all of the candy that was there. They had stuff like this right here. Everybody had passed it by. Because when life was difficult, and when people needed something that would sustain them for a long period of time, they didn't go to what would give them a temporary sugar rush. They didn't go to what would temporarily make them feel good. But they passed this by. They walked past this, in order to get something like this. A canned good that they could put in their shelves, that that canned good would last for a long period of time. I'm going to encourage you right now, and I want to tell you as you're hungry and you're searching for God right now, don't look for what is cheap. Don't look for what is junk. And it's an unfortunate truth that we're living in a day and age when a lot of people aren't preaching this book anymore. And a lot of people aren't preaching the reality and truth of this book and and, and the things that God has called us to that are from this book. Don't go looking for junk right now. You need to make sure you're looking for what is true. You need to find you an apostolic Pentecostal church where somebody will get up and tell you that there's only one God and His name is Jesus where somebody will tell you that He wants to change you, that He is a mercy that is so great that it's new every morning and that you can be a partaker of that mercy. Somebody that will tell you that He's got a grace that will help you right now as you're trying to find answers. You need to find a church like that. What should we do today? Because of what you've preached today, Pastor, then what should we do? And to that I say this, we must obey the gospel. The apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, he tells us exactly what the gospel is. Paul was a man that was consumed by the gospel. He tells us it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I looked at this last night, and if my calculations are correct, Paul himself, All by himself, Paul mentions the gospel 79 times in his New Testament writings. It was a word that was never far from him. I wonder why that was. Let me tell you why that is. It's because the only thing that has the ability to save us is the gospel. It's the only thing that can ensure our eternity. It's the gospel. And that's it. Nothing else. Not your intentions, not what you think, only the gospel. You can't work your way into heaven. Being a good person who says they believe Jesus died for their sins, that's not enough. You must obey the gospel. So Paul tells us, it is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ That, folks, is the saving gospel. And it's not something that we hear about and it makes us saved, but it is our response to it that saves us. On the exact day that God's church was founded, the gospel was preached. The apostle Peter stood up and he preached his heart on the day of Pentecost. And he did such a good job that when he was done preaching, people were asking him what I hope you're asking right now. What Shall we do? What do we need to do? They were pricked in their hearts. And so they asked Peter, the rest of the apostles, what do we do to this? And let me read to you what he said. You can find this beginning in Acts 2 and verse 37. When they heard this, they were stung in the heart. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter told them what you need to do. So that you could be saved. He said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission or the forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise. Now, some people say, Well, that was just for them. No, 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 no. For the promise. Verse 39, is unto you and it is to your children and it is to all that are far away as many as the Lord our God will call. That is the promise for them but that is also the promise for you. That's the promise for me. If we will repent of our sins, if we will be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, we will receive the gift of of the Holy Ghost, and when you receive the Holy Ghost, you're going to know you received the Holy Ghost. You won't have to question if you've received it. When you go to God and you begin to worship and praise Him for forgiving you of your sins and for remitting your sins through baptism. By the way, we don't baptize you to make you a member of our church. That's that's not a Bible truth. Baptism doesn't make you a member of God's church in the Bible. Baptism is a part of the salvation experience in the Bible. So that's why we baptize you. You come, be baptized at this church. You don't have to worry if we're going to call you a member or not. We just want you to be baptized in the only saving name. And so, you'll know when you receive the Holy Ghost. Because you won't have to question it. You won't have to wonder about it. How How are you going to know? Because as you're worshiping and praising God, you're going to feel something come over you. And you're going to want to begin to speak a language you've never heard before. And some of you have heard of it referred to as speaking in tongues. It's not a scary thing and it's not anything you need to be worried about. It's the greatest thing could ever happen to you. Because it is how you know that God's Spirit has come to indwell you. And that new life has taken place within you. That was Peter's answer to them. Repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So that you can also receive the gift... ...of the Holy Ghost. When you repent... ...this is what happens. When you repent... ...as Peter said... ...I told you... ...Paul said the gospel... ...is the death, burial, and resurrection. When Peter preaches... ...he was preaching the gospel. Let me show you. When you repent... ...you die to self... ...and you identify with the death... ...of Jesus Christ. When you are baptized... ...in Jesus' name... ...you identify with the burial... ...of Jesus Christ. And when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You have now identified with the resurrection of Jesus Christ and its new life. Some of you that are watching right now, you already know this. This, this is not new information for you. But some of you watching right now, you just need to humble yourself and let God work in your life, and you need to find a place of repentance and let God renew you in His Spirit. And you need to hear what I'm preaching right now. And, and, and you want to meet me at this church, I'll meet you at this church. And we'll pray together, and we'll watch God do a great work in your life. Then there may be others watching right now, and you've never heard that before. That's something that's brand new to you. It's revelation to you. But God sent me to share that good news with you today so that you can enter eternity one of these days in peace. I want you to know that through all that is going on right now, you can repent where you sit right now. If you're in your home, you're in your living room, you're in a kitchen, you can repent where you're sitting right now. You can make a determination in your heart that you're no longer going to live just for self, but you're going to live for God. You can come to this church and we'll have somebody here meet you and we'll repent with you. We'll pray with you. You can do that. If you'll just give us the opportunity, we'll take you and we will baptize you in water in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission or the forgiveness of your sins. And I want you to know that you have this promise that God will fill you with the Holy Ghost because that is what His promise is for you and for me. You'll speak in that language you don't even know, not because it's a Pentecostal thing, but because it is a Bible thing. It's God's confirmation to you that His Spirit has taken up residence in your life. And so those of you that are watching with us right now, wherever you are, I wonder if we could join together right now. I have felt the presence of the Lord in this room today as I have preached to you. And I wonder if we could join together right now and you would lift your voice and your hands toward heaven. And if God's been speaking to you and dealing with you, I wonder if you would just begin to fall before Him and to repent and say, God, there's some things in my life I need to change. There's some things in my life, God, that haven't been what they need to be. But I feel like you sent this preacher to me today, Lord. You allowed me to watch this message today, God, so that my life could be forever touched. Lord, people that are watching right now, by by, uh, a webcast, by YouTube or Facebook, wherever they are, God. I pray, Lord, that you would put your hand on them right now. Let them be stirred in their hearts, God. Let this not just be a moment in time that they do not utilize, but let them take the commodity of time and use it to affect their eternity right now, God. I pray that you would forgive people of their sins right now, Lord. I pray, God, that you would touch them where they are. I pray, God, that you would fill people with the Holy Ghost that are praying right now. I pray, Lord, that you would put your hand on them. You are a faithful Father. And we are never so far away from you that you are not any further than the mention of your name. And if we will just call on you, some can trust in chariots and some can trust in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God, and we will call on the name that is above every other name. We call on you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I would encourage you, if you want somebody to pray with you, if you want somebody to baptize you, would you please do do one of a couple things, perhaps. You can either send us a message right now. Send us a message, uh, a Facebook message. Um, respond in the comments to what you're seeing. If you're in Jonesboro area, northeast Arkansas, connect with us. If you've got a friend that attends our church, and maybe you're watching this because your friend shared it, I ask that you would contact that friend. Call them. You want somebody to come meet you and pray with you and baptize you in Jesus' name. It's the greatest thing could ever happen to you. And and we want you to do that. So please reach out. Don't be embarrassed to. Don't be hesitant to. We want to be a part of what God is doing in your life. That's why we're here and that's why we're doing what we're doing. God bless you. I love you. And if I could do anything for you, I want to do all I can because we've got an eternity that we're all pointed towards and I want to spend eternity in heaven with Him and with you. God bless you.